I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. Since Tuesday's episode, the Tory government has suffered the biggest parliamentary defeat in history. And despite that, the Conservatives cynically conspired to defeat a no-confidence vote in the government. Following Tuesday's defeat, Progress backed the LabourSay.eu campaign for Labour to commit to a public vote on Brexit and pledged not just to support it, but to lead the argument for Europe. So how much has this week changed things? Should Corbyn go to Brexit talks with May? What is next for Labour? And is a public vote going to happen? I'm Connor Pope and I'm joined by Progress Chair Alison McGovern, Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd and our guest today, Alistair Campbell. Tuesday was the biggest parliamentary defeat for a government in history. Alistair, can I start with you? If if Tony Blair had ever suffered a defeat on the scale the government saw this week, would you have just told them that the game was up? I mean, I like to think we wouldn't have got there. And I do think the result was a was the consequence of not just of the massive inconsistencies at the heart of Brexit, but also just of the the sheer incompetence of negotiation and party management mm. so yeah definitely but you know at the same time you look at the tories now and i mean alison and i on the way here just bumped into boris johnson it, it didn't it didn't go well no it wasn't to be honest it wasn't, 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 wasn't a friendly conversation <laughs> it really wasn't a friendly conversation uh, at but, all you know the, the the tories are looking at Theresa may but they're also looking at him and thinking we don't want that either so i think that it is. We're in crazy times. And do you know what? You must be finding this as well. I've just walked, come down from Piccadilly Circus, right? You just get stopped every five, ten yards. People say, what the hell is going on? Yeah. What are we going to do? I think especially, especially in my constituency. And that was just Boris Johnson, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done, Connor. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. But also in my constituency, things have gone from people sharing their views to what's going to happen next to people just saying like, like, are you all right? You know, all, all the best. And like, you'll do all right for us, won't you, girl? Like, people are kind of just wanting us to try and sort this out now. Yeah, but I think we've got to do, I think the politicians generally, government and opposition, have really got to do a better job of explaining to the public what sorting it out means. Because mm. I think part of the problem with this is that when people say, oh, just get on and do it, 
it's like, well, what it has to mean something and it has to command authority and support. And the whole badness of Theresa May's approach is like, you know, this kind of my way, the highway. There's been no real, and then if you have, you know, Labour really having this very ambiguous position as well, there's been no real explanation as to what's actually happening, why they've had to do it. I thought, you know, Tony Blair was on the radio this morning and saying that we should be proud of the fact that MPs have actually done a very good job of calling this deal for what it is. It's a terrible deal. Yeah, I suppose what some of us from the backbenchers have tried always to do is to be clear about what we do want, because... We were always going to get into this position where when we voted against something mm. that you had to have alternatives to point to. And last June, in an effort to do that, we had lots of Labour MPs breaking the whip to vote for the EA mm. possibility. I think now we're in a different position, which is that this has got so torturous and actually the deal has fallen apart so much that it's hard. it's hard actually to see how you could get that solution without somehow the public having their say because I think we are in you know we we haven't brought the public with us Hmm. so I think we do need that kind of ratification we haven't we haven't we haven't yet brought them all with us in relation to getting a people's vote but listen if you think where we were a few months ago there's definite movement on it and here's the other thing I just the other couple of people I bumped into on the way down here a couple of Tories who'd just been in to see Theresa May and even talking to me they're saying it's just impossible to talk to her because she's not a consensus politician. Yeah. She, so she's saying she wants to reach out and listen, but she doesn't. She wants to buy time. Yeah. And time is the crucial thing. Mm. You know, the default position is that we leave. Mm. And, you know, I would caution anyone against letting this slide mm. because we will hit March sooner than anybody thinks. Absolutely. It's no so time at all. I think the real question here is, and that was basically what we tried to do last week and actually did succeed in doing with Dominic Greaves' mm. initiative to say, after that vote, if the deal goes down, we have to move this on very quickly within three days, which mm. is why we're coming back to this issue next week. Otherwise, the House of Commons would would be sort of like drifting about until you, February. You see all these, like, so it's a massive majority and everything you hear and everything you see in her body language, she'd like to be able to bring something back very, very similar. Do you see any way that... No, nothing more than the passage of time will bring over the 115 switches that she's going to have to get. But even then, Alistair, I mean, even... So I guess Theresa May, you might think Theresa May's proposition is basically run it close to the wire and in, these, in the end, these people will have no choice. Well, that's a kind of... I mean, probably blackmail is too strong a word, right? But that is, that is inevitably it. And there's one thing that I know about the reasons why people become politicians, right? Because they want to be able to take decisions, not to be forced into a decision like that that they don't really want. And they want to be able to put forward their view about what should happen. So the idea that you're going to hold it over people and say, you've got no choice but to do what I say, I think is a very big misreading Hmm. of the nature of the House of Commons. And she's so dug into that mindset. Oh, yeah. But that is why we've seen what we have seen Hmm. with all of the, the sort of like Dominic Grieve initiatives coming forward to to stop this because people don't want that. They want us to have something positive that's a way forward for the public. What has the mood been like around Parliament this week? Because has there been a sense that this was a, a historic week, even like earlier in the week before it all happened? 
Well, <laughs> these days, I mean, if you can judge historic weeks by Instagram photos, <laughs> then, uh, then, then I think so. Bill Esserson even managed to get his, uh, outside the rules Instagram photo on oh, the uh, on the front page of the Guardian. Yeah. The, oh, really? So, so naughty Bill Esserson. I mean, you know, Connor, you will know that I'm very against people breaking the rules of the House of Commons. Oh, you've never done it. Yeah. No, I have never that. taken photos in the House of Commons and put them on Instagram. Oh, no. Particularly not of you playing football. No, no, no. <laughs> but playing football in the House of Commons chamber, Steph, is very wrong. It is. We know. It was very wrong. <laughs> it's quite fun, though. But anyway, <laughs> so Bill Esserson takes a picture of, of the vote and it ends up on the front page of the Guardian. So that's been quite historic. But um, uh, I, I think, think in one of these, quite a few Labour MPs took photos from the, the voting lobby this week. In one of them, I could see someone else taking a selfie in the background. Oh, no, there were lots of selfies going on, weren't there? It was fantastic. No, I think, but I mean, historic gets overused. I mean, but, and we're definitely living in extraordinary times. Yeah. But it, in a sense, the history will get dictated by where we end up. Hmm. And so that's, you know, and it could be, I mean, I sort of sometimes just wake up and think, God, maybe this is just going to pass like a terrible dream and, you know, it'll, it won't have happened. And, you know, I still do think, by the way, and I've thought this, for, Alison knows this, I've thought this for a long time, I do think it's going to end up with another referendum and I do think that Remain will win. Yeah. I've thought that for a long time. Yeah. The big question for us, I think, on that is, and this will dictate the history, is are we able to convince people that that is the right way forward mm. and i think there's a lot of evidence labor voters who voted leave especially that they're now deeply skeptical of brexit mm. because of what it's looked like as a process however they the did vote mm. they did vote leave for a reason and that reason is an important one that should be heard i agree um not least because they weren't that fond of david cameron but really really important things like their position in society and mm. and how people were treated you know the fact that the fact that town halls across the north of england had such severe cuts that you know people had really horrific choices to make mm. and everybody was feeling the burn of that was actually a really big deal and if people but, don't accept that message then i think we make a big no, mistake I, mean, I, I think there's a you know the, the there's a real I think it was this week or last week, I think it's this week, I've written in the New European about, you know, what the next campaign will have to look like and, and how different it will have to be. Now, obviously, Cameron and Osborne, who ran the last one and fronted the last one, are not going to be around. I mean, Cameron may take part, I don't know. Osborne may, he's obviously, as an editor, he'll be involved, but it's going to be, so the leadership's obviously going to be different. But equally, the the tone and the messaging have got to be very, very different as well. And I do think there's a, I mean, I hate, there's two things I really hate about this campaign. One is this sort of constant going on about the metropolitan elite. Like if you live in London or Manchester, you don't care about other parts of the country. And the other thing is the way that people just get, you know, the, the, this, all, we're all put into these masses, you know, like Northern voters, yeah, you know, Midlands voters, Welsh voters. This debate's going on right around the country yes with different kind of levels but i was doing a sky thing this sky news thing in the in just outside the house of lords this morning and i think they were quite stunned because this real working class scouser came up to me while i was doing it and was absolutely he was tearing his hair out about about labor not doing enough on brexit it's been listening to jürgen so i think there's the, the, you know we, we we're all too keen to think we understand Mm. everybody else's position and try to sort of make it like it's a simplistic thing. There's no easy way out of this now. 
That's, Every single route is That's brought. what I wanted to ask you, Alistair, actually, because like me, you spend quite a bit of time watching the football. Yeah. And, you know, you're at Turf Moor yeah. supporting Burnley a lot. And, you know, that is that is a place that mm. and I've been to watch Liverpool mm. there. And that is a place where it's, it's the sort of place that's in the mind of these people who mm. dismiss like the frozen north yeah. as everybody's got one opinion there. You know, but that's a place that you know really well. Yet equally, your kind of public persona, especially on Twitter, is the kind of, you know, the follow back pro-European FBP yeah. people and all of that. And so it's two very different yeah. worlds and mindsets. Like, do you feel like that there is a massive misunderstanding? Like, are we as a, as a country just completely unable to listen to each other? Because uh, you hang out with both of those I groups, do hang out, right? And I don't find it difficult. And this could be famous last words. I've not had any grief at Burnley this season. I actually went, when we played at Southampton, I thought I'll really test it. There's this woman who makes hoodies for me all the time. She's always sending me these hoodies. She works, she lives in Denmark and she runs this company called Demarcation Design and she's become a kind of anti-Brexit merchandise person. So she said, I've got tons of hoodies, right? Mm. And one of them just says, fuck Brexit, right? So I thought, sod it, I'll give it a go. <laughs> See, it wasn't me who swore this time. Right, okay, no, so I wore it in the away end at Southampton. No way. Yeah, and it was fine. And one or two people were, and then when we were at West Ham recently, other side of the argument, as it were, this guy comes up and says, can I have a selfie? And as we're having a picture, he undoes his jacket and he's got a leave means leave. <laughs> so it works both ways. But the point is, I think that we, are people prepared to listen to each other? I think they are. But I think we, I think there's, a, the, I think the media's a lot responsible for this. It's like last night on the news, they did Devon and they did Middlesbrough. Right. And, you know, all the cliches get trotted out about both. And I just think what Brexit has done is actually these, these cliches are kind of being, they're being smashed because, and there's no doubt, obviously you look at the numbers of where more people voted leave than others, but even in Burnley, which is, you know, and I, by the way, I get why people voted leave. I think and you mentioned, I can remember, I, I never thought I'd find myself doing this. I can remember at a match, uh, it was the last game of the season in the run up to the referendum arguing with these three guys who said they were going to vote leave. And it's what you said earlier. They said, I hate David Cameron. And I said, please, you know, don't. It's just, it's not him. It's not. So I think there's an added to it. I'll tell you the other thing. I've also met people up there and down here who voted remain, who knew now in two minds because they don't like the way that, you know, we've been treated. And again, I have to say to them, you know, this has been a negotiation. So I don't think it's a given but I, I wish we could break through this idea that we're all in these our different homogenous masses. You know, I've got neighbours who voted leave in NW3. The thing that worries me about some of this in terms of a new referendum and a new campaign is not this idea that people keep pushing about it, it'll embolden the far right and all the rest of it, and that's why we shouldn't do it. Like if I stop making if I start making decisions based on what fascists yeah. think, we've all gone horribly wrong. But there is something about the tone of the debate now because I think, and also because of the length of time it's gone on sure. and people are so entrenched in their positions now. And I mean this yeah, more the people not, that, but no, but I mean aren't. the people that are running it more yeah. than the people that are participating in the yeah. debate in that sense. So there is something about both sides of that campaign. And I, you know, we've got an office here in Westminster. We walked backwards and forwards past mm. everyone waving the flags and everything else. And we were there on the rally on Tuesday night mm. and, you know, there is something about the level of aggression 
that is overcoming this campaign at times. And I think there is something about the leadership of this campaign on both sides that has to kind of do a check on our behaviours. I I totally agree with that. But I think that, you know, I think people keep saying, don't you think it'd be terribly divisive? And you have to kind of remind them, look, you know, a Labour MP got murdered in the last referendum campaign. There was some really bad stuff happened then. It's a very, very divisive issue. We can't pretend it's all going to be sweetness and light. And exactly. And and Brendan Cox, Joe's husband, wrote a very compelling article, actually, I think trying to answer this point to say, look, if people voted leave, they're entitled to do so, that's fine. And if people voted remain, they're entitled to do so, that's fine. But nobody on either side should be, you know, saying that somehow the far right means that we can't have democratic events again. You know, people should be able to say what they think and what to say. I actually felt very, when when that whole thing happened with, uh, and I've had grief down there, Mm. you know, you do. But when that whole thing happened with Anna Subri, I I was a little bit troubled by, I don't think I even said anything about it, even on social media, because I was a little bit troubled, because what they want is for people to think this is where the centre of gravity of opinion is, and it's not. So I think, you know, and I see you bump into leave people, leave voters all the time and 95, 99% of them, you can have a perfectly reasonable discussion with them. But I think you're right about the, and, and I think part of this comes down as well to, you know, political leadership generally, is that there's, you know, it is possible to, I have very, you know, I've, I've got sort of, every time I do anything on telly with Jacob Rees-Mogg, for example, even or Nigel Farage, I find it perfectly possible to be civil to each other. I I find it possible to be civil. There's a slightly there's a slightly different. We weren't very civil with Boris just now, were we? We well. Tell we, us that at the end. We, we, weren't, that, that we weren't impolite. We were just factual. We were factual <laughs> that he had ruined our country. But anyway, no, and also he was bringing a bike through, and he was told by the woman he wasn't supposed to bring his bike through, but he just took his bike through. Yeah. You know, wasn't tell him off. Anyway. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? So. <laughs> But there is a slightly different thing, which is I find it possible to be polite and civil with with everybody. In fact, when I did my first ever job in a shop, my manager said, the more rude someone is to you, the more mm. polite you are to them. And oh, I'm not it, sure about that. No, but it does, it <laughs> works. Oh, it does work. Yeah, it yeah, takes yeah. the sting right out of and it. Do, mm. And in terms and of political, and it infuri- exactly, <laughs> exactly, it infuriates mm. them. Anybody who's really determined to be rude can't cope mm. with it. And that's that's been always okay, the... I'm going to try and do that. You should. That's because that, that that was the point that I was going to make. You were one of the ones who sent me messages after I did, was with Jenny Russell on Newsnight, weren't you? No, that I don't think you. so. Did I had about four Labour women MPs sent me messages saying <sighs> over the top. But I think I, can, that, I do rise a bit. Sometimes. I think I think that's that is something of the point, which is that we don't all live in the same like space in mm. this mm. because I know for a fact that like. I can sort of argue with people and I'm just used to it and can take it because frankly, being a member of parliament, you've got to, that's your responsibility to do that. But I wouldn't expect, you know, individual constituents of mine, some of whom just don't want to talk about it because it's upsetting and difficult for them. So we've all got to take responsibility, I think, for making Mm. the culture and the environment better. And whilst there's some of my constituents who want a really, really robust debate and they want to kind of have a back and forth with me, that has a knock-on impact to those constituents who feel totally alienated mm. by that. No, I understand that. Uh, we do need to stop for a quick break there, but we'll be back right after this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Stephanie, can you tell us about the new Progress Labour Say campaign that launched this I like week? it when you full name me, Connor. It's nice. <laughs> Makes it more official. Um, yeah, so as soon as the vote fell on Tuesday, which was unsurprising to say the least mm. in terms of it, but obviously the level of which it was was not important. Labour Say launched a campaign aimed very much to stop the kind of move on from the argument about the process of what it is that we do. Do we have a general election? Do we have a people's vote? How does it work? And say, as it had very clearly committed to before, we think we should have a people's vote. But also to agree with the Labour Party policy in the sense that even if you have a general election. The point is, is what we have to, what we've stopped doing is we've started just constantly talking about process and stopped within the Labour Party talking about what is it that we'd actually campaign on in any of those situations. Mm. What do we believe? So, in? so this campaign very much calls on the Labour Party to uh, back a people's vote. Well, to try and secure a referendum either through a general election and commit to that uh, in their general election manifesto, or just if we can't get that general election, which seems also very unlikely, to just back a people's vote in that sense. Um, but to be very much leading the campaign and winning those arguments, as we were talking about earlier, as to why people voted leave, but why they should, uh, why we should remain in the European Union. Because all of those problems that we know are the reasons why people wanted to vote leave, as we've spoken about earlier in the podcast, they weren't caused by the EU. They were caused by decisions made in Parliament by governments. And we need to be very, very honest with people about what that is. And the Labour Party needs to take a huge amount of leadership now to ensure that we get out of this impasse. So we launched that campaign calling on people to write to their Labour MP if they don't have a Labour MP, sadly for them. Um 
to write to Jeremy as the leader of the party um, and and really try and press just how strong the kind of feeling between Labour members and Labour supporters and voters is in the country. I think a really important point that's been made this week as well, actually, especially through the no confidence vote when every single Labour MP voted to have no confidence in the government, is that this policy does not come in front of a general election. No, because if, if we if have a general a, election, we have to say something in it. Yeah, we just put it in the manifesto. We should support a people's vote and, yeah. and commit to leading the Remain campaign. Mm. I think that's a, a really important point that possibly getting across this week that it's that is a false dichotomy mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that people are trying right. to make. Mm. Um, and, and um, you know, our, the rest of our policies, like what we think about the health service where so many EU nationals are working in a health service that already has a workforce crisis. So what we think, whether or not we're, you know, I'm committed pro-European and the Labour Party is a pro-European party, but that fact will influence the whole swathe of policy, the other things that we care about. So we can't avoid it, even if we wanted to. But I'm not, um, I completely understand politically why there's this push for a general election, but I'm not persuaded that a general election can resolve the issue. Um, because it's not just what Labour's position would be, but what would the Conservatives' position be? Uh, what would what would they put forward? Th- thankfully, <coughs> thankfully, I don't feel responsible for solving no, that. You're, <laughs> you're not. You're not. But I think that so, and, and also we all know general elections. Th- this issue has become so big, so defining in our politics, in our history, in our future. I think it's got to be decided in a referendum. But and you, I do think I actually do think, by the way, that, that I completely agree with what you were saying about addressing the issues. Yeah. I've got this, you know, I've been trying, I'm flogging this one till it's a dead horse. Tough on Brexit, tough on the causes of Brexit. Too it's it, that that's what we, you know. Tough yeah. on Brexit if you if it's not the right thing for the country, don't do it. But for heaven's sake, address all the issues that led to people feeling when they were given the chance to kick the establishment, they're going to do it. Some of that is about is about the challenge within Europe as well. So, Absolutely. So, They've got a, and this, this stuff's happening in Europe. Yeah. This idea that it's only Britain, this debate's going on. They're worried about immigration. Uh, they're worried about freedom of movement. They're worried about ine- rising inequality and so forth. So I think if, if we hadn't treated them with the contempt that Boris Johnson and David Davis and others have, They'd be, I think they'll be up for offering something better than David Cameron got. Yeah, I think that's right. But, and there's positive things that we could say as well. So like, what about as part of, you know, our future program, having an argument about the aid budget and whether that ought to be used for refugees in Europe as well as outside Europe? Because actually having some practical solutions that would help with the migration crisis Mm. at the moment could bind us all together, especially as progressives on the left, you know, we've got a Spanish socialist government who are dealing with a migration crisis in this country that we cannot Mm. countenance. We can't Mm. imagine what Mm. it's like Mm. there at the minute. And we should be saying, look, how can we work together? We've got an aid budget. You've got an aid Mm. budget. I can just see Theresa May doing that. I know. Well, well, (laughs) well, but we should be campaigning for it because that is the progressive thing to do. Frankly, the money is there. You know, even the Tories actually did agree to 0.7 of GDP being spent on aid. There's nothing within the rules that says it can't be spent Mm. um, on refugees when they get to Europe. So Mm. there's just practical issues like that, where if we started to get to grips with some of that, we might start to unpick some of the European problems Mm. that would help at home as well. On the topic of what Theresa May would and wouldn't do, um, obviously we had a long conversation on Tuesday about whether I'd be able to go to the snooker on Wednesday night. Obviously, 
I wasn't able to go in the end and Mate. completely fine with that. Um, snooker. So, yeah, instead I went... Yeah. I watched, Do you not like snooker? It's one of the few... But it doesn't excite me, no. Well, it's, I, I like I like snoozing in front of it, to be honest. I stayed and watched uh, Derby Southampton instead. I was, oh, was very, very, excited. very annoyed at 10 o'clock when I switched over to watch Theresa May's statement. I didn't. Yeah. Stayed, stayed, with the pen, stayed with the penalties. I know. Yeah. I know all my mates were like messaging, like, are you watching these penalties? I'm like, I am not. <laughs> I, flipped, <laughs> I, flipped, I flipped back over for the penalties. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, her thing was basically, you know, come in and we can talk about this and it was a, an appeal to the other parties. But is she really serious about any of this? Surely if she was serious about getting cross-party support for Brexit, she would have done this two years ago. I mean, Ali, you've been running these kind of campaigns in Parliament and at no point has Downing Street ever tried to approach Labour backbenchers about anything. My phone never rings. <laughs> you're right. I mean, yeah, look, in June, we, as I was saying before, we had a big rebellion on this very issue I kind of assumed that uh, that something would happen then and it didn't I think the other thing is you know civil society matters in this too and like it seems to have passed people by that the archbishops have also been yeah. like like waving flags at us all saying uh this is not good guys like can we even though she's doing her sacred duty yeah but like why not go and talk to the archbishops like mm. I mean the current one and and Rowan Williams as well yeah. like they you know, I'm very irreligious. Um, <laughs> is that I, think that's, I don't sure, really do religion, but I... I think someone once said that. Yeah. <laughs> but... No, we don't do God. <laughs> We're a pro-faith atheist. Yes, that's a very good way of putting it. Because you've got to recognise a place in our country. Yeah. Hmm? You've got to recognise the place of the trade union movement in our country. You've got to recognise the place of the kind of widespread of the business community, not just the yeah. top of the CBI that they yeah. took. So they could have been talking and ringing these people all the time, getting them in. But that's not her style. It's not what yeah. she does. She's never done that. And she's like, she, she like, she pri she's prided herself all her career. And I'm the tough one. I'm resilient. I'm stubborn. I just, you know, put my foot down. But it there, there, there does come a point where your strength becomes your weakness. And I think we, we saw that in the, I mean, her response to the vote was so ten-eared, wasn't it? It was like, it just... This is the thing that worries me. I'm like, I am so bored of the point now where people are like, isn't she so resilient? And I had points where I was like, mildly impressed with it. But I'm just like, I'm like, you're just delusional now. And the idea of being like, I'm going to invite every leader in and then, isn't that good? Aren't I reaching out across mm. the house? And then sitting in front of them and being like, here's all the things I'm never Re going to compromise. Reading a script. It's just, it's just utterly pointless. Mm. And it is... You know, I think there is there is obviously and rightly lots of pressure that goes on the opposition in some of this as well. But like, she cannot in any way be allowed to get away with how shambolic she has led us through all of this. Yeah, actually, can I, can I just ask quickly? Uh, my favourite bit of Theresa May's statement on Wednesday night was when she said, "Our door remains open while stood in front of a, of shut a closed door." door. <laughs> yeah, did, did, that, did that? Would you, would you have ever allowed something as obvious as that? Yeah, I think that was okay. That made me laugh. The, the funniest thing was actually like she could have said the hand of history was on her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing was that there was the lectern gate. It was like, <clears throat> the, whenever I was like, is there going to be a logo on it? Is there yeah, not going to be a logo like on Laura it? Laura Kunzberg from the BBC, like, stand down, everyone. The government <laughs> crest is on it. And like, I was, um, I was watching it with a friend at the time and, uh, and she was like, 
just explain this crest thing to me. And I was like, oh, well, you know, obviously, because if it's a general election, they can't have the government logo because she has to announce it as leader of the Tory party, not as the prime minister. Yeah, because but, they're so careful about that divide, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> but like, it became this whole like thing that we now interpret what's going to happen with like, you know. The crest. The, the, whether, is the crest of, on the lectern or I not? Got, I got a hilarious message this morning from Godric Smith was my deputy when we were in number 10. <laughs> he said, he said with his text this morning, he said, one of the worst things about this shambles has been the devaluation of the words outside number two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, literally. But I, yeah, I mean, it's all pretty shambolic. And uh, in, in I the think, end... I think Jeremy should have taken the invitation though. The kind of, I think the long, the long conversation will be, I think, about the structure of parliament. I think we're seeing a lot of questions being asked about whether the House of Commons really functions that well mm. in a hung parliament situation. And, you know, all the controversy over the speaker and the decisions that he's made, you know, there's a huge amount of very big and serious questions. The fact is none of them can be answered now because we just have to face the fact that Brexit is coming in mm. March unless I, we change the default. I do I do think as well, the, the whole thing about political education as well is that the, you know, the, the, the and partly this goes back to the fact that, you know, you've got a conflict between plebiscite, referendum, approach to politics and parliamentary democracy, which, which is what we are. And what we've seen is the conflict between that. Yeah, if we could stop having referendums that don't really fit in our constitution, that I would be ideal. That would be a really, really good, good idea. idea. Other than the next one. But, I, but, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, we, but you'd only want that one because... Of the of, failure of, that, of the last yeah. one. Yeah. So, but I, I do think that the, the, the there's a real lack of understanding. I mean, I think we've become... we. To, politics itself, I think, has absorbed a very anti-politics message. And so I think that, yeah. you know, kids in school have got to get taught that politics is a good thing. Yeah, but it's funny you say that. And, and I totally agree with you in the, in the discussion in the newspapers and all of that. And like, I see this stuff about how people think that we're the worst generation of politicians ever and all of that jazz. But, it, but then it's that weird thing about the disconnect people have between the brand of politicians mm. and the individual one that they actually know, because mm. no one ever says to that to me mm. in Wirral. Like no one ever says to me like, well, it's clearly your fault for being crap. Mm. Like, no, but I think what, it, what I mean more the thing like, for example, you know, when, so like some of this sort of torturous parliamentary process, right? On the one hand, people are saying that, right, I just wanted this thing sorted. Why can't they sort it? But on the other hand, it has to get sorted through processes that have developed in this parliament, the sovereignty of which Brexit is meant to be about. But I think there has to be an understanding when you, you know, so when you hear, when the public hear the language about tabling an amendment, putting down an amendment, voting on an amendment, and, you know, a bill, the difference between a bill and an amendment and all this sort of stuff that's going on, there's, it's almost like we make assumptions about knowledge, but there's been no mechanism for extending that knowledge to the public. So mm. they sort of see this stuff and it looks like playing games, whereas actually I think the MPs have done well recently. I think the stuff Dominic Greaves done has been really interesting. I think watching Hillary and Yvette and the stuff that they brought forward, I might not agree with it at all, but I think that these are politicians kind of doing their job. And and I, th I think part of the problem, if I'm being absolutely frank, I think with, you know, what I think people mean by that when they say this is the worst generation of politicians ever I think they mean the front. They mean the front benches. I'm afraid. I think they look at the government and they look at the our front bench and they think, you know, this doesn't look like they're up to the job. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's you know, it's 
we're in a very difficult situation. It's very hard to see a way through. And we know the, the way through, Alison. It's a people's uh, yeah, yeah, We yeah. know that. Yes, but we have to get the House of Commons to vote for Alison. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we have to we have to find a way through. And that comes back to it being a hung parliament. Yeah. That like, actually, the roles of the government and the opposition are quite well defined in the House of Commons, but not in a hung parliament. No, but but and let me can I just can say on that, though, and, and, and the real, but we're back to her and her psychology and her weaknesses. Theresa May has behaved since the 2017 election like she got a landslide. She lost. She lost her mandate. She lost her majority. You know, and 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 she, she, you see, if you look at Angela Merkel, where they're used to coalition and they're used to minority government, what have you. So therefore, the sort of polit- politician you have to be to lead in that politics is that's what they're used to, and that's what emerges. Theresa May has emerged as. I think in her head she's kind of Thatcher, but we're used to kind of, you know, leaders with majorities. And she behaves like one. She hasn't got one. It means you've got to change the way you behave. I think we have pretty much run out of time. Um, I mean, we could keep talking about yeah, that. Yeah, on, on the amendments point, though, I think it's interesting. We spoke about it so much on uh, the episode earlier in the week that if people want to know more about that, they can go and listen to episode 67. Um, usually, and, I, and indeed read many of my very long <laughs> 3,000 word essays on they these. They can do that as well, yeah. sure. Um, By the way, just on the kids thing in schools, right? I was when I was doing this Sky thing, um, and it was terrible. This uh, that Sky couldn't film it, and they really wanted to film it because there were these. There was a class of primary school kids came in, and the teacher told them who I was and what I was doing, and da, 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 and they spontaneously, these kids about six or seven, just started shouting, "Stop Brexit! Stop Brexit! Stop Brexit!" <laughs> Honestly, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, that is the best. The, my, the best fun I have in my constituency is when we go into primary schools and I have a thing called the House of Commons game that I play with them and I make them be the government and the opposition yeah. and like shout at each other and do a vote. And they love exactly. it. But also, let's they not forget so that like, another wonderful thing that the Tory government has managed to do is they've totally decimated any form of citizenship education. Exactly. So it wasn't good enough in the first place, but now there's nothing. Yeah. And it's the point where like... Michael it is, Gove. It Michael is in, Gove's legacy. Exactly. What a wonderful legacy that Send man's giving Send them a Bible, us. but yeah. not let them learn about how our country mm. actually works. Yeah. But then do, a, then do a nice pantomime show in the house comes nice. and have everybody said he's brilliant mm-hmm. before we stop um alistair usually we do um, a political pub quiz question every week and then we answer it on this show this week we didn't do one um so i just thought i'd give you guys uh, a pop quiz one question just before i we stop. hate quizzes you, you know, know this anyway, do we have to do we have right I, i'm very competitive this, i can't this, lose this this week isn't politics <laughs> is I, it going to be football related because if I, it is i'm not giving you any clues if just, it is the answer will be blackburn you've got Burnley. to get the link between craig short steve davis matt Janssen, and craig Hignett. i know but mostly just because you were being really smug about it earlier and I was overly <laughs> Sorry, listening. Steve Davis. Yeah. Matt Janssen. Yeah. Craig Hignett and Craig Short. He's thinking. He's he's thinking very hard. Oh. I, I don't know. So I, I Is it a club? No. Uh Hignett, Short, Janssen, Davis. Is it is it a place? Player coaches. No. There's only so long we can make this go on. Yeah, no, the, the, the long silences don't really make for a great no, point. No. <laughs> the, uh, so is it all the people that scored the last time that Blackburn Not, not the last Burnley. time. It was uh, in, in the 5-0 victory of Blackburn Rovers over Burnley, April oh, 2000. Those best. were all of the scores. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve Davis was the curveball in there because obviously it was an own goal. But, um, but that's what I thought. Steve, he's a Southampton <laughs> Steve Davis or our Steve Davis. Bastard. Anyway, Alistair Gamble, thank you for coming thank on. Thank you. <laughs>
Progressive Britain will be back on Tuesday for what I'm sure will be another forgettable week in British politics. In the meantime, please do visit laboursay.eu and use the tool there to write to your Labour MP asking them to back staying in Europe through a public vote. If you don't have a Labour MP, you can write to Jeremy Corbyn instead. Hundreds have already done it and each one helps us to make members heard. Thanks to Alistair Campbell for coming on today and thank you for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.